It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW Sitka. Today is Monday, January 31st, 2022. I'm Erin Fulton with Raven News. Sitka saw a spike in coronavirus cases late last week, with 93 new cases reported on Wednesday and Thursday, according to data from the Alaska Department of Health and Social Services. The data published on Friday pushes Sitka's weekly case count up to 137. Sitka remains in high alert, with an indoor mask mandate until fewer than nine cases are reported over a week-long period. And Wednesday was a record-breaker, with 70 cases, the most coronavirus cases Sitka has reported in any one day since the pandemic began. January's on track to break records, too. Previously, the month with the most COVID cases was July 2021, during Sitka's first COVID surge, driven by the arrival of the Delta variant. January has now exceeded July's record by nearly 150 cases and is very close to reaching the total number of cases reported over last July and August. Since the start of the pandemic, Sitka has reported 1,939 coronavirus cases, 29 hospitalizations, and six deaths. Olympic gold medalist Lydia Jacoby shared stories of her rise to the top with some of Sitka's youngest swimmers in a one-hour pool session on Friday. And when that was done, they dived into practice with and race against one of the fastest women in the water. KCAW's Robert Woolsey reports. On the pool deck, Lydia Jacoby, somewhere south of six feet tall, towers over the 30-odd Baranoff Barracuda swimmers schooling around her. On the starting block, she is every inch the larger-than-life Olympic athlete who captured the gold medal in the women's 100-meter breaststroke last summer. Barracuda's coach, Kevin Knox, has a plan. We have one more drill we're going to do. We're going to end at the deep end, and uh, we're going to find a few people to race. Jacoby, the 17-year-old high school senior from Seward, has been warming up in the water with the young swimmers, moving from lane to lane, chatting. She gave a short talk beforehand to introduce herself to the kids and parents and let them pass around her gold and silver medals from the Tokyo Olympics. But there's no one here who doesn't feel like they know her already. Jacoby is the only Alaskan swimmer ever to qualify for the Olympic Games, and her gold in the 100 breaststroke was breathtaking to watch. And watch. And watch again. Did you guys watch Lydia win the 100 breaststroke in the Olympics? Oh yes, we did. And we replayed it probably 10 times after that. She was just so pumped. Edith Johnson is in the bleachers while her daughter Addison swims laps with Jacoby. Even though the two girls are just a few years apart in age, Johnson says this feels like a hero moment for Addie. She's been counting her sleeps. She's been so excited to meet Lydia. She made her card. Every day she's been talking about it. So yeah, this is this has totally made her made her school year. At the starting blocks, Knox and Jacoby organized the swimmers into heats, youngest to oldest, to take on the fastest female breaststroker in the world. And then he starts the race. Ready? Nine swimmers shoot from the blocks, but Jacoby remains standing on hers. When the kids are nearly halfway down the pool, Jacoby dives in and breaks the surface just in front of the pack, swims two or three strokes to touch the wall, then turns and waits for everyone to catch up. Jacoby gives the same starting advantage to all the age groups, and the competition tightens up a bit with the teens. 
James Nellis just managed to edge out Jacoby. Did you touch the wall before Lydia? Yes. What does that feel like? It's, it's crazy. I, I don't even know what to say. How long have you been swimming? Three years. Yeah, cool. I think she gave you a little bit of a head yeah. start. Yeah. <laughs> How old are you? 13. Did anything Lydia say inspire you to keep swimming? When she said a lot of her friends were dropping out and she wanted to quit, I, I felt that before and I, and I felt I'm going to keep going now. I took note when, in her talk to the kids, Jacoby mentioned that just as she was breaking into the record books in Alaska as a 12-year-old, her friends began turning to other, more social sports. Kevin Knox says it is something every swimmer struggles with. It is the most solitary of team sports. For most kids, you know, when you're trying to stay in it at a, you know, get better and better and better, you have to keep at it. It's not the same as you know, a season basketball or a season of baseball or something else like that. It's like you, you have to stick with it because it's tough. When the races were done and the autographs signed, I asked Jacoby if she ever experienced a day like this one when someone helped motivate her. Yeah, I was um, really inspired by Jessica Hardy. She's the world record holder in the 100 breaststroke um, before Lily King. Um, she came to do a clinic with our team a few years ago, and we've stayed in touch ever since, and she's been super encouraging through the whole Olympic process for me, so she's been awesome. Jacoby shared some Olympic stories with the kids, the early morning hours, the intense training, and how to take into competition whatever attitude helped you in practice. She said that she was just glad to have made it to the Olympics. Her thrill at winning was written all over her face on the video. I told Jacoby what 13-year-old James Nellis had told me, that he had decided to keep swimming despite feeling the pull of friends and other sports. In other words, her message had landed. That's great to hear. I mean, I think that's definitely something that happens in like a lot of these sports like running, swimming, skiing. You know, people don't think of them as like quote unquote cool. So it's neat to um, kind of have gotten this level and realize like how cool it really is and what amazing people keep doing it. So I'm glad that he's gonna stick with it and I hope more of them consider doing that too. And there were a few swimmers at the Mount Edgecombe Aquatic Center who were going to stick with it, with or without inspiration from a charismatic Olympian. Dean Orbison is an Alaska Masters silver medalist in the 100 fly in the 60-year-old age group. He had Jacoby sign the back of his t-shirt. Tom Jacobson, a local dentist, holds the Alaska Masters gold for the 200 backstroke for 65 and up. Dr. J, were you inspired today? I am inspired. And yeah, <laughs> I'm inspired as how much faster she is than I am. <laughs> Reporting in Sitka, I'm Robert Woolsey. The Alaska Marine Highway System is calling up the ferry Taslina to serve southeast's upper panhandle. As Coast Alaska's Jacob Resnick reports, the state has chartered passenger ships to fill the gaps in winter ferry service, but those can't move cars or freight needed in some communities. The state's Taslina Ferry is coming to the rescue of several communities in southeast Alaska, each with their own unique transportation challenges. Sam Dapsevich, a transportation department spokesperson, says the Taslina will be in action in February and March. Uh, it'll be running to Angoon, Gustavus, Huna, Haynes, and Skagway out of Juneau. We're really happy that we could make this work for uh, northern panhandle communities, and uh, bookings are available on the website and uh, through the call center. That's welcome news as Upper Lynn Canal and Southeast Villages were facing more than a two-month gap in winter service. 
Shane Thompson co-owns Angoon Trading Company, the village's grocery store, which is supplied by the state's ferries. I, you know, everything from soup to nuts, you know, everything that's not hazmat. Angoon had just received a passenger ferry after the state chartered one of the Gold Belt Inc.'s catamarans for a circuit between Juneau, Tenakee Springs, Angoon, and back to Juneau. It cost the state about $7,000. But Thompson says the one-way trip wasn't that popular. I mean... You know, people aren't going to hop on a ferry if there's not a way to get back other than flying because a lot of the people that ride the ferry don't like to fly. Angoon doesn't have an airport. It has float planes, which are often delayed in the winter. And the chartered boats couldn't carry vehicles or pallets of groceries for Thompson's store. I don't think the catamarans are the answer this time of year, by the way. He's chartering a landing craft to bring in supplies until the state ferry arrives on February 10th. Questions have swirled for more than two months over whether the state would activate the Taslina, which has been tied up in Juno's Ock Bay as the fleet's reserve ship. Erling Wally is with the Inland Boatmen's Union of the Pacific, the largest of the three crew unions. We brought this up months ago. We're like, hey, why don't we run the Taslina? It's supposed to be a ready reserve vessel. The Alaska Marine Highway System says the Taslina wasn't available earlier because of crew shortages. Dapsevich says many of the fleet's crew members were already assigned to ships in the yard. Even if we have enough crew to pull off of overhauled ships, that sh- that slows down their overhaul process, which we, which ends up affecting people in the future. So, but the IBU's Erling Wally says there's more to the story. For one, DOT allowed some of the Taslina's certificates to lapse, even though it was supposed to be a ready reserve vessel, and so it couldn't immediately sail. That was the first issue, and then they said there was crewing issues. We've always said that there hasn't been any crewing issues, that there should be able to pull people off other vessels and yards if there is a crew shortage on the beach. You know, when I say on the beach, people not working. But in any event, he says his members are glad that they're finally being called back to work. In Angoon, Shane Thompson, the grocery store owner, says the community is relieved to be getting regular winter service. He says rider demand in the warmer months might be higher overall, but midwinter is when it's a lifeline. I feel like instead of trying to treat the ferry system like some sort of pseudo- cruise line, they need to they need to start pulling them offline in the spring or in the fall so that in the dead of winter we actually have ferry service when we really need it. The Matanuska ferry is slated to return from overhaul at the end of January, and with the Taslina now on the board, most Southeast communities will have regular ferry service for at least the next couple months. Reporting in Juneau, I'm Jacob Bresnick. I'm Erin Fulton, and this has been Raven News. 